only source of true delight whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he heard and came, hurried and came down. And received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Beloved of God, his word for you today. Let's, uh, let's pray again briefly. Father, thank you that you, um, that you come for sinners. And you only come for sinners. And help us to receive you joyfully. Because we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I wish I'd grown up, actually, and uh, I never learned all those fun little songs as a kid. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. I, I feel cheated by that, but I'm glad that my kids are kind of learning those things now. Um, when I was three, my family vacationed in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I don't know if you've ever been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It's fairly cheesy, but we went as kids in 1969, and um, I vividly remember this vacation rode the sky tram up the mountain one day. And, um, in this town square, as we were walking in the afternoon, uh, my parents pointed out this restaurant that we were going to. Big flagstone step porch with a cast iron rail. And my three little three-year-old eyes kind of looked at it and locked onto it and said, that's where we're going to dinner. And around dinner time, we headed out of our motel. And uh, the, the town square was fairly full. And as any good three-year-old little boy full of confidence and verve would have, I just left my dad's hand and took off through the crowd because I knew where I was going. And um, I have three older brothers, so it was a whirling dervish family of chaos all the time. So I don't think that either of my parents actually recognized that I was gone until I was out of sight. And I got to the restaurant, walked up the flagstone steps and planted my feet and Took hold of the cast iron rail, wondering when my slow family was finally going to make it to where we were. And um, I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And then I looked out, and this is what I saw. My mother and my father in the crowd of faces, frantically looking for their child. Because I'd wandered off from my father and my mother. 
And in my brain, I was not lost. But y'all, I was lost. Because as I looked out, I recognized that I was not with my parents. And I had great confidence that I was where I was supposed to be. And this was before cell phones were around and three-year-olds didn't carry them anyway. My folks decided that they were going to start looking in another direction. And at that moment, I kind of panicked. Because maybe I really was lost. Because maybe they were going someplace else for dinner. And I kind of gripped the cast iron rail a little tighter at that point. And I remember starting to yell. You know, from my folks. And I don't know what happened, but I think my folks thought this is kind of where we're going to dinner. This was the plan. And so they weaved their way through the crowd, unbeknownst to me. And as they came up the steps, I saw my mother. And y'all know this. Every week or two, this happens in our lobby. Some sweet mother realizes that her child has wandered off. The first 15 minutes are fine because we're talking to everybody. And then there's this slow panic that begins to spread through the lobby as every other mother's antenna goes up. It goes, there's a lost child, right? And we all start spreading out. And when the child is found, what happens is there is such great joy that we have found that child. And y'all, this is why Zacchaeus is in the Bible. Because the whole point of this text is that God has come to find that which is lost. And when lost people are found, they rejoice. Jesus loves to save the lost, and the lost love to be found by Jesus. Let me put it another way. God loves to restore real wanderers. And real wanderers... They love to be found and restored by God. God loves to restore the biggest of wanderers. He loves to show grace to the biggest of sinners. And and these people seem to be the ones who love to be restored, who receive God's grace and mercy with real joy. Because this is the heart for seeking out what's lost. That's the point of Zacchaeus being in the Bible. Now, let me do a caveat for just a second. If you're here this morning and you would not claim Jesus and are not a Christian, um, you might be offended by that term lost. And there might be good reason that you are offended in part by that term. And, And I want to give you that reality. Because oftentimes religious people or the church in the past hundred years, has used this term as a battering ram out of self-righteousness to look down on people who are different morally, politically, sociologically, ideologically from themselves in a wrong way and in a wrong fashion. And I will grant you that. That when the term is used as a self-righteous battering ram to speak about people in a manner that they are worse than we and we're better than them, you have every right to be offended by that terminology. And I would look at you and say, God's offended by that use of the term in that direction. And actually, the Bible has the harshest thing to say to people who are religiously self-righteous. And actually, that's really the barb of this text. Because... God actually says in His term that they are the most lost of people. 
But if you're here and you're simply offended by the fact that God actually might call you to account for yourself. In other words, if you're offended out of pride that God may say you actually are lost, that you actually have wandered off from Him. Let me simply remind you that God does not come to wanderers out of self-righteousness. He comes as a father seeking His children out of love and mercy and goodness. He's the father who pursues his children when they wander away to their own harm. And the perspective of approach to people makes all the difference in the world. Luke and the Gospels and the Bible are full of people whose lives are broken by their own folly or their own rebelliousness or their own sinfulness who are joyfully attracted to Jesus and His grace when He shows up. And when the Son of Man comes on the scene seeking and saving out of kind mercy, the marginalized and the outlaws, as Tim Keller puts it, respond with joy to being found. So what it does is it makes us look and say, why is Zacchaeus here? Because Zacchaeus is the definition of the kind of person who Luke describes as the lost. And y'all are very familiar, a lot of you are very familiar with this story, right? But why is Zacchaeus here? Luke uses tax collectors six times in his gospel, and every time it's done in a positive manner. But you have to understand Zacchaeus a little bit. People hated him. Hated him. And with good reason. Why? Well, the text gives you a couple reasons. When you look down, it says that there was a man named Zacchaeus and he's a chief tax collector and was rich. And then it also almost pokes fun at him for his little stature. He's a little guy. And, you know, you kind of, that's almost laughable. I'm, I'm the last of the Burger Boys. I've got a brother who's 6'3", 6'1", and 6 feet. And I'm all of 5'8". And I don't know whose genes I got, but I've suffered from the little man's disease of mine. It's kind of funny. Here's Zacchaeus, the little guy. But it's more than that. You would hate him. The people of his day hated him. Why? Because the job of a tax collector, and I know a lot of you know this, the job of a tax collector was a rude job. To do the job of a tax collector, Zacchaeus had to turn against his people. He's a turncoat. He's a traitor. He's working for the people who oppressed the Jews, the Romans. He took a job for the enemy. And the job was exacting taxes for these people. But it's worse than that. He was a chief to tax collector. And the text lets you know that he was rich. And the way Zacchaeus got rich was that he taxed them exorbitantly mercilessly. He got rich off his own people. He stole from them without batting an eye. Year in and year out and day in and day out. And he lined his pockets on their hard-earned money that they should rightly have. And he took it without a, a sleepless night, it seems. And everybody hated him. He was thrown out of the church. He was thrown out of the synagogue. His family probably, in all reality, disowned him. And you know what? The Romans even hated him. And you can understand why. Like, they were glad for him to do the job, but they despised him for taking this job against his own people. What a dog. I mean, we're, we'll let you do the job as long as we get our cut. But what kind of person will steal from his own people 
and get rich off them. Now, let me help us maybe put it in a way that we could understand. We would dislike Zacchaeus. It's kind of like the ambulance chaser. You know, if you're in the parking lot at Central Market and you back up and another person is backing up out of their lot and you just tap bumpers and you know that no one got hurt. You know that no one got hurt by that. And, and the, the ambulance chaser lawyer whose billboards are all over town, I don't even know who that is, kind of is walking by and, is, and as you get out, you see him and he gives his card to the guy you bumped and he goes, call me, we're going to get a lot of money out of this guy. And he does. And he takes you to court. And he empties your retirement account. And he bankrupts you. And it's hard to like that guy. And you may say in public that you hope he finds Jesus, but you hope he finds him in another church because you'd be hard-pressed to sit next to him day after day. And Jesus came to save that which is lost. Tim Keller said that Jesus is attracted to outlaws and outlaws are attracted to him. And it's here because Luke and God is taking a run at religious people. God has come to redeem that which is lost, that which is really lost, that which religious, moral majority, morally self-righteous people despise. The ambulance chaser, Lord. The socially... Who are the lost? Who are the people that Jesus came for? Well, there's this social aspect of the outlaw in our culture. The ambulance chasers. The easy, sleazy divorce lawyers. It's those guys that Jesus came for. And in the good red state of Texas, Jesus came for the liberals who want to change your health care. He came for them, y'all. And if you're a closet liberal here this morning and the laughter makes you scared to ever say that, Jesus came for conservatives who makes your skin crawl. Because Jesus is an equal opportunity redeemer of the lost. He came for the tattooed and the dropouts. He came for the lazy and and the depressed. He came for the people we have a hard time liking. He came for illegal immigrants to redeem them. He came for moral outlaws. It's easy for us to say, yay, Jesus came for drug addicts because we don't know any. But Jesus came for the lost of the lost. He came for the prostitutes. He came for to redeem sex offenders. He came to redeem those who have been unfaithful to their husbands and their wives. He came for those who have broken up families. He came for those who are addicted to pornography. He came to redeem those who've looked at children in pornography. 
He came for the homosexual community to love them and redeem them. And in Luke, there is this interchange between, right, these folks. And this is what scares me at times. Jesus came to redeem that which is lost. And there are all these interchanges in the Bible between the outlaws and the religious. And the outlaws seem to love the mercy of God. And the religious, as in verse 6, seem to grumble at it. They grumble that Jesus would come and be a guest at Zacchaeus' house. They grumble at the grace given to this man. And they say that Jesus has come to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And don't miss it. Look, I know that not every outlaw responds to Jesus in this way, right? I mean, in a few chapters, Jesus is going to be hung between two criminals. One of whom will cry out for mercy because he knows who he really is, and the other will ridicule Jesus. And outlaws are as prideful as religious people are at times. But Scripture is full of people with nothing to offer God except the receiving of God's mercy and grace with joy. And people who are religiously smug and morally self-superior and mad at God, are mad at God for giving grace to people who think they don't deserve it. And at its heart, that's the difference between religion and the gospel. Religious people take all their self-righteousness to God and they believe that God owes them something for it. And lost people come to God with nothing but their sin and receive His grace and mercy with joy knowing that they don't deserve it. And God came with joy and love to redeem that which is lost. And you cannot understand why Zacchaeus is in the Bible until it hits home that God came for the people that self-righteous people would reject. That is it. My parents, because they love for me, came looking for me. And when they found me, they welcomed me in. And for some of you this morning, that is great, great news. Because some of you cannot believe that that kind of kindness can be for you. Some of you have been in church a long time, but have a long time believing that this kind of mercy is for you. That this kind of God could be anything but a fairy tale. But I would look at you and say, the beauty of the text is Jesus shows up at the sycamore tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to be a guest in your home today. Because some of you have quietly and have borne the shame of it aborted children that you would never tell us all about. And some of you have broken up families with sibling rivalry and hatred that you have stoked for years. And some of us have been more selfishly shameful to our children than we would ever bear to admit. And some of us have been unfaithful to our wives and our husbands. And we have been with people that are not our own.
And the great news of the gospel of the mercy of God is that he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Because I will come to be with you today. Because I have come to give my love and my mercy to those who have wandered away. The Jesus who pursued Zacchaeus and saved him, who says in verse 9, Today salvation has come to your house, is the same God who brings salvation and restoration and mercy and forgiveness and His kindness and His pursuing love and His transformation and His freedom to the likes of us who sit here this morning. Now, for some of you, Like me, as I'm preparing this sermon, I really wanted to preach something else, to be honest with you. Might be thinking, oh no, I'm in trouble. Because I seem like the religiously self, you know, this smug, self-righteous person. And I would say to you, take heart. Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the spiritually proud are lost. And if you want to know whether or not that's true, look at the Apostle Paul, who is the penultimate self-righteous, religiously smug person. And God came to him on the road to Damascus and knocked him off the horse and opened his eyes and showed him his sin and brought to him his mercy and his grace. See, that's the thing. The morally lost, the socially lost, the politically lost, that's not one side or the other, by the way. And the religiously lost are those whom Jesus came to seek and to redeem and to give His mercy to. That's great, isn't it? We've taken a bit of time to work out this thing that Jesus loves to pursue and save that which is lost. But secondly, I just kind of want you to see from the text that the lost, that the wanderers, they love to be found by God. They love to be found by God. They really love to be found by Jesus and the gospel. They love restoration. Real sinners love real grace because they know they don't deserve it. And there are a few things in the text that I think point us in this direction. Like real lost, real wanderer. They they willingly love to have Jesus meet them where they are. There, there are a few things to point you. One is verse 6 is just really clear. Like Jesus is standing at the bottom of the sycamore tree. And Jesus looks up and, and, and says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm, I will, must be a guest with you today. And in that culture, being a guest with somebody meant that you were accepting of them. You were taking them in, as it were. You were showing your real, like, I'm with you. We're together. And what does it say? It's just very simple, but it's so beautiful. So he hurried down, 
So he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Received Him joyfully. He receives Jesus with joy in his heart because he's been received by Jesus with joy. As he is. Right? Re- receiving him joyfully. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus in his house. This day, and Jesus makes this great claim that he too is a son of Abraham. Which the rest of the religious community had publicly denied. Because they had thrown him out of the synagogue. They had said, you're not a child of Abraham. And Jesus just comes and looks and says, no, you are. Because the real children of Abraham... are none other than sinners saved by grace. He receives it with joy. We sang that great, that great hymn. And I, I didn't sing it growing up, but Bobby Guy wrote that tune to it, Just As I Am. And you may have sung it. You may have sung it too many times in youth. I don't know. But it's just so dear. Isn't it? Just as I am without one plea but that Thou bidst me come to Thee. That's it. Zacchaeus has great joy that Jesus receives him as he is, where he is. The tiny little statured man who everyone else hated, who climbed up in the tree. That's the one that Jesus has come for. And when Jesus says, I want to be with you today, Zacchaeus scurries down with his little stature out of the tree and receives Jesus with great joy. Don't you remember the time when you first understood the mercy of God to you? Or the thousandth time that the mercy of God to you really broke in? That your sins struck you over the head like a 10,000 pound weight and you recognized that the only thing that you had to bring to God was this and the voice of God came back to you saying those good kind words. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Struck by the reality of the mercy of Jesus. It's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of Christianity in part. But there's another sense that you recognize that that Zacchaeus willingly kind of receives Jesus with joy, and that is because Zacchaeus loses all dignity in the matter. You may not think of it, but in that culture, in the patriarchal culture, the male was the one who was to remain dignified at all times. So for a Middle Eastern man to climb up in a tree was something that they never did. Like, that was just undignified. We, we kind of have that same thing. Like, you know, now I, I can't say it about Darwin. This is one of the things I love about Darwin. My Darwin will always know... My children will always know Darwin is Ronnie the Rooster. I always know Darwin is Ronnie the Rooster. And I love him because that because Jesus just isn't afraid. Jesus is not afraid. Darwin's not afraid of kind of the way people view him. I stand in the back of the church when Darwin's doing Ronnie the Rooster. I'm like, I'm thankful he's doing that because I'm embarrassed. You know, but but for Zacchaeus to get up in the tree. It's just to lose all dignity. Not only was to lose all dignity, it was to open him to the scorn of all the people that hated him. I mean, look at him. Look at the fool. 
before man and before God. Because it's not just that he climbs up in the tree. It's this beautiful thing that when the people grumble, the text actually looks like Zacchaeus stands up in the middle of the crowd as they grumble and says, Lord. And then he confesses the reality of his lostness, of his sinfulness, of his wanderingness. He just openly says, Jesus, I've been greedy. And the, and the reason he says I've been greedy is because he says, I'm rich and I'm going to give half of it away. And the only reason for, the, for him to be able to say I'll give half of it away is because he's openly saying to everyone there, this is the reality of who I am. I've taken your money in mounds. I'm going to give half of it to the poor. And he's also rich enough to say, I'm going to make fourfold repayment, which is much more than the Bible required. He openly admitting before everybody the reality of who he is. There's this loss of dignity that comes when Jesus comes to us and speaks the good words of peace that allows us just simply to be who we are without self-justifying in any form or fashion. My wife laughs because all my things in life come from the army. And bear with me for just a second. But in the army, in the army, you're never allowed to be lost. Ever. Like that's the cardinal sin in the military. You're only temporarily misoriented. That's the phrase. You, you know, if you're ever lost, you've lost all face with your soldiers. And um, there's one night we were flying this mission, and um, it was off the reservation. It was off Fort Campbell. And I was taking with me this crew of equipment operators. Not very good with maps and compasses, but boy, they could work bucket loaders and dozers. And they were great at what they did. But it was this routine deal. Fly us out there in the middle of the night. We're going to do some training at dark. But there wasn't any kind of real training operation. We weren't carrying maps. It was just the pilot was going to fly us out. He needed some stick time. Set us down. We're going to work through the night because that's where equipment was already pre-positioned. And they're going to come get us in the morning. We're going to fly back. Well, we're flying out there. It's 2 in the morning. And over the headset, I hear Fort Campbell call the flight lead, which is our bird, and go, uh, Black Hawk 7, you need to return to base immediately. And I'm like, what? Oh, well, I guess we're going to turn around. Okay. He gets more information and he sets us, he finds the nearest clearing and sets us down, I think somewhere in Arkansas. I don't have a map for that. It's two in the morning. I have no idea. And the crew chief is like, LT, get off the bird. I'm like, I'm not getting off the bird. What do you get off the bird? I'm like, all right, guys, let's get off the bird. We got in the middle of, I don't know where, at 2.30 in the morning and the helicopter takes off. Okay, it's at this point that you look at your platoon sergeant and go, Sergeant Harris, I got no idea. And I look at my squad leader, Sergeant Hall, and go, I have no idea. Fellas, um, we're not temporarily misoriented, we're lost. And the freedom of Zacchaeus is that because he has received mercy, because God has come to him as he is where he is, he is free from the fear of man and everyone else to stand up and say, this is just who I am. Religion says that you have to make yourself right and clean before God and others, before you come to Him. And the Gospel says, God takes us in as we are, 
and grants us mercy and forgiveness and grace. There's one last thing where we know by He has loved the mercy of God. He's loved the salvation that has come to Him. And that is because I think what we see is that He's free from His former God. Zacchaeus seems to be fairly free from the God that he loved, small g, beforehand. Because Zacchaeus' God was money. It's what, he, it's what he valued most. It seems most of his life. It's what he was most endearing to him. He put it above people. He put it above family. He put it above community. He put it above the church. He put it above everything else. And when God comes into your life, and when He brings salvation to you by bringing Himself to live within you, He seems to free people from their former God's small g. Because God is at the and in the business of changing people fundamentally of who they are at the level of the heart. He has come not just to bring mercy... He's come to bring mercy and transforming grace. And Zacchaeus seems to be fairly thankful and free from his former God. And you have to hear that salvation coming to you in Jesus does more than just forgive you. It changes you at the very level of what you hold most dear. That's a real God. Capital G. Who not just demands things of the heart, but changes things of the heart of which he commands. That's a real God. That is the one true God that can do that kind of thing. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. The lost love to receive mercy and grace and be found by Jesus. And I'm going to apply for just two minutes or three and be done. And that's this. It's an observation question for us, in part. Now I have to ask it of myself first. And I want you to pray for me and for Darwin and for everyone else who stands in this pulpit. And that question is this. Does the preaching that comes from this church attract the worst of sinners? Or does it just attract religious people who like to be reformed or Presbyterian or right? Or Does the preaching of this pulpit attract the wanderers? Is the message that comes from this pulpit the one where lost and wandering and the worst of sinners find the great hope of the grace of God being spoken to them with great joy and compassion. Pray for the leadership of this church. Is the leadership of this church setting the direction of this church where this is who it hopes to love on, along with everybody else? And I think there are great evidences and signs that it does. That's not, a, that's not the typical preacher, I'm going to guilt you by the question thing. And I'm going to stick it a little more clearly. And 
Should this church be seeking to to love underprivileged children in at-risk communities? Absolutely. Yes, we should. Sure, we should. We should. That's Jesus tells us to do that very thing. But we also want to be the church where really lost come and find home. Because they come and find people who actually believe, not in some condescending fashion, that we're just showing pity, but that we are people who believe that we are the worst of sinners. We're the worst. And we're the people who rejoice in the mercy of God the most. Let me put it one more way. Let's rejoice. We should rejoice when the people in our backyard grilling burgers at night are the people who don't share our family values. Does that make sense? Okay, we should have... I mean, we should... Grant, I'm not saying we should never have people in our backyard who believe like us. That's not what I mean. But we should rejoice in, in, in our churches, in our families, when our family backyards have people in it who don't care what their children say or think. Or where or if they go to a good school or college. Or who they hang out with. You know, like we should rejoice when people who don't share our family values are breaking bread in our homes. Not because I'm saying we don't talk about the truth in Jesus, but because they actually believe that we understand that we're not better. But that we love a God who loves people like us. And I'm not a, I'm not a dummy. Now I know that comes with risks. And as a father of four small children, those risks make me nervous and they scare me. But the, I just can't get away from the Bible that the Bible says, if you want to be safe, don't follow Jesus. We should be wise. Amen. But following Jesus is risky business. And lastly... Um, There's an aspect in which you and I take great refuge in this deal. And that is there's a category that we need as people who follow Jesus because God has found us that looks like this. And I'll say it this way. There's a category of being found by God that has past and present and future hope to it. In other words... That great phrase that we've used before is, you know, we have been saved and we are being saved and we will be saved. And we rejoice in that. Or to put it in the language of Luke and Zacchaeus, you know, we have been lost. And there are times when our sin and our unbelief shows us that there's still lostness in our souls, that we need Jesus to come pursue us and find us in, and He does. And there is future lostness that will show itself in our lives. And this is what we're hoping. And this is what is true. That God will pursue us. And as we want to hear these words, the same words that Zacchaeus heard from Jesus in the sycamore tree, they will come to us. And Jesus will say, Keith, Paige, 
Darwin, Kay, Wade, Courtney, Louise Ann, Amy, Ben, come down. Because I must be with you today. I'm awfully glad that my mother and my father came to find me as a precocious three-year-old on the Flagstone steps in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I'm awfully glad that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. The worst of sinners, of whom I am the chief. Are you glad this morning that Jesus has come to find you? Let's pray. Father, Great is Your mercy to come to us just as we are. We give You thanks and praise that Zacchaeus is in the Bible. Lord, I pray that this day You would help those of us who are lost to hear the good, kind words of Jesus and the restoring grace of the Gospel say, come down. And would You help us, O God, to receive Jesus joyfully Would you abide with us and be with us and transform us and love us today and forevermore? And your people with joy say, Amen. Pleasing clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my life. Come with blissful rain Break radiant through the shades of night And chase my fears away Won't you chase my fears away?